talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a Hello, and welcome to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where here in 2021, we take a look back at formerly Aaron Sorkin's seminal television classic, The West Wing, from a bit more left-wing socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And you, lucky listener, are joining us today to experience the crash after last week's, you know, nominally quite good (laughs) (laughs) episode into what is both factually, according to the reviewers at imdb.com, and personally, opinionally, if that's a thing, the worst episode of the entire series. We're here. We did it. (laughs) We made it. (laughs) So this episode is entitled Access. Mm Mm-hmm. And it has just a gimmick. To, uh, yeah, yes, it has. It has a a framing gimmick, and I <laughs> was just saying, boy, you know, you know what I love to hear when I settle into my comfortable armchair on a Thursday night primetime to watch my serialized weekly television show is, ooh, this episode has a gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this one decides to frame itself in. The disguise of a mockumentary, uh, like a frontline documentary, um, sort of in that The Office slash Parks and Rec kind of style where we're getting constant cutaways to talking heads of one-on-ones with like CJ and her staff and stuff. Because this episode is entirely focused on CJ. The the fictional frontline in this universe is following her to do sort of like a day in the life piece on the press secretary and happens to end up capturing uh, a Waco-esque situation that unfolds that CJ has to deal with a lot of fallout from. Yeah, so we mentioned um, Frontline as, you know, it's a PBS documentary series. We even get um, the actual narrator's voice Mm -hmm. from Frontline. The guy's name is Will Lyman. I mean, just very distinctive. You'll absolutely recognize it. If you happen to watch this episode, don't watch this episode. <laughs> yeah, instead, um, um, go watch the first episode of Chappelle Show, where they get the yeah. frontline guy to do the uh, blind, <laughs> black, white supremacist documentary My bit. Power? <laughs> what? Go watch that instead, because when he when he was narrating in this episode, if I closed my eyes, I could get my brain to make me think I was watching the better episode of television. Yes, instead of this absolute dog shit. So. Yes. Statistically, and I took a little little detour into the IMDb pages for this stuff, this is the lowest rated by, you know, the intrepid critics on IMDb.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it is currently rocking a 7.1 on mm. a 10-point scale. Um, the next lowest episode is in, actually, in Season 6. It's the one about Cuba. And that episode is a 7.2 <laughs> out of 10 and no other episode of the entire rest of the run of this show is below 7.6. <laughs> so the, those two turds are just hands, like head and shoulders below the rest of the entire series. That's, that's amazing. And there are, just for reference, the highest rated episode of the show is... You know, we say it's obvious, but, you know, having gone through all this recently, it's two cathedrals. Mm-hmm. 
which is rocking a 9.8. Wow. That's actually... That's really impressive on IMDb, given that there's, like, troll voters who just vote one on everything. Yeah, and there's there's 2,800 reviews, or, Votes. I guess, reviews, or, yeah. or clicks on the, the rating system, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so here we are in the actual worst episode, uh, and it's... It's obvious, like, people always talk about skipping this one when rewatching and stuff like that. And, yeah, because, A, it's so obviously, like, out of canon with, like, the rest of what's going on. Like, there's no continuing storylines we pick up from previous episodes, and no storylines that get introduced in this episode will ever be followed up on. It's it's yeah. it's such a one-off. Yeah, it's absolutely a bottle episode. Mm-hmm. And so, like, further to that... It's just they go to such depths of, I think, you know, you mentioned the Waco style standoff at, mm-hmm. at the top of the recording here. This event is then placed in context of another event that we are like the, the show's writers just go ahead and retcon mm-hmm. into CJ's life, quote, like before we picked up the events of the show. Right. We, get, we see a curly-haired CJ who is implied to be, like, very brand-spanking new at the job, and she fumbles this earlier fictional Waco event that the show, I think they called it, like, uh, a, um, I don't know. They had a fictional cute name made up for the city where mm. it happened. Um, but, yeah, she screwed up because, like, she, you know, she's, like, trying to explain to the press what happened in the first event and she's like there there was a communication breakdown between the fbi and the agents on the scene and then the press immediately just starts like barreling over her to be like well are you saying that the fbi suspended the constitution that agents on the ground are just acting as gods (laughs) is that what you're saying cj craig it's just it's like the they they lean so hard into the gimmick to be like the the press are just they're they're animals they're and they'll piranhas. eat you alive if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah, they're fucking sharks and like and oh like basically the whole theme of this episode is just poor CJ isn't her job hard? Like that's that's the ultimate message that this episode is going for, which is not that deep a message, which is why this episode sucks. Well, and I I find it interesting because you do mention that this was the. The other sort of, like, hard divergence from the typical format for the show was another bottle episode that follows With CJ, CJ. Mm-hmm. back home to visit her ailing father and go to that high school reunion. Mm-hmm. Where she hooks up with so, that guy. And I and like, like, in retrospect, I complained about that gimmick at the time, but it's much better than this. Yeah, because you get to, you know, flesh out CJ as a character, right. get some shots outside the White House, do some on-scene reporting. Right. None of that happens in this episode. We're stuck back in our usual sets, doing our usual shtick. But, however, we have created about four new assistants for CJ that have names and faces and personalities and all that sort of sparkling stuff that makes up a character. And uh, we've never seen them before. And all of a sudden, they're like a vital part of her day-to-day. And not only that, we'll never see them again. <laughs> and it's, uh, they just, they use it as, uh, what? It's, which it's, is, it, 
Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> it made me think of the Star Trek episode Lower Decks, which took this premise but did it in a very cool way, where we actually focused on these low-level staffers that we had never seen before and saw the flip side of what our normal main characters, who were the command, you know, the captain and, and everything like that, what's it like for the guys on the lower end of the rung? And that could have been cool, but this episode doesn't do that at all. It, it's not from the perspective of these new assistants or whatever. Like, we see a little bit of them, but it is absolutely still about CJ. Yeah, and I mean, the the show uses these people as fucking diversity crutches. We've got, like... yeah. The, the fucking guy who goes on about how he went to Howard and just like, uh, don't care. Yeah. It's very, uh, BK Wheels Club, like, group of diversity. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and the sort of, in terms of the format, just generally, Emma brought something up that I think she probably cribbed from West Wing Weekly, although we don't like to mention Pretender Podcasts. <clears throat> um, the, there's, there's... The rest of the show, the show's concept generally is portrayed to the audience as a behind-the-scenes look at right. the White House where all these things that are important right. happen. It's seeing how the sausage gets made. That's so, like that's the premise of the show, really. So what hubris that the writers have to think that, oh, the audience is just going to, is vests us with so much like deliberate importance that we're going to throw another layer of abstraction into this and have a documentary crew that is filming CJ. And instead of when CJ closes the room and says, please, no cameras, instead of us then going with her and finding out the cool shit about the cool shit that happens, right. we just sit outside in the office. Right. How is this interesting? Because we're trapped with the documentary crew. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's so stupid. We don't need to go behind the scenes again. Right. We're already behind the scenes. We've been there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, the whole time. That's a really good point. And yeah, that's funny. And that's exactly why this episode doesn't work. Like, we're already there. We already get to see her day to day in every episode where she's featured heavily. Yeah. And it takes, it also takes the opportunity. I think it's just very strange because. They take the opportunity to use the format to somehow, even though we've bitched about them before, to just really put the screws to a couple of the liberal, like, kind of lionization mm. of these characters. You mentioned over and over, like, just the, the Protestant work ethic thing. Oh, my God. It's just... It is they off never the charts in this episode. It, it, uh, they just, like they, like, they pan away and they do a one-on-one -on -one with Josh where he just literally explicitly says, like, yeah, her father is, like, really, really sick. And really, you know, if you think about it, on a human level, she should probably be spending her time with him <laughs> because it's the last time he'll have on this world. But you know what? She has a really important big person job, and she's literally the only person who could do it, so she's willing to make that sacrifice. <laughs> and we're all supposed to go... Oh, good for her. Like, <laughs> Like, and I don't know, maybe it's the fact that I am 20 years removed from this garbage and, you know, I'm an adult and I think about things in an adult fashion now. It's just like, that is not com compelling to me in any way. That's not I'm healthy. Sorry if my, That's sick. Like, I'm sorry if my priorities have somehow, like, realigned generally, but it's just, it is, that's 
That's, that's bad. No, that's a, that's like the sickness that's at heart of like the workaholic Protestant work ethic bullshit in this country is like, no, it's good that you're ignoring your sick ailing father who is wasting away his last days on this earth without you, his his love and joy in this world because you're doing your job. <laughs> like fuck, and- fuck. That's just so depressing. <laughs> It's and it's also it's just a, a fucking awful way to tell a story. They you can you can almost feel the writers going like, oh fuck, now what? Like when they back themselves into these corners because th- there's this tension between wanting something to happen in the West Wing and then we can't show it to you happening because we're stuck behind this other fictional camera. Right. Like, so, like, she has a conversation with her dad where we don't have to hear the dad's end of it, which is, like, the TV bottle <laughs> episode way of, of doing a conversation. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come okay. back and uh, discuss this more. So we, we kind of mentioned that um, <laughs> this this being about the institution of the press secretary generally, we have throughout the rest of the run of the show been shown CJ as a very warm and sympathetic yes. and um, like, frankly, qu- quite lovable interlocutor between the administration and the press. Yeah, she gets who, along with them extremely well. She's friendly with several of them. She, like, remembers their names and, like, gives them little tips and a story here or there or, like, an exclusive. She's, like, ex- their relationship is extremely professionally courteous to each other. And and the crises that we do, or that we have seen, evolve are be- are on the side of between CJ and the admin. Usually. They've never almost been always. between... Almost always. Uh, they are the the rare, Angel rarely. Maintenance episode is, like, the only one I can think of where CJ had to, like, screw over the press corps a little bit by, like, cutting their phones and stuff. That's, like, one conflict I can think of between CJ and the actual press corps instead of the admin. Yeah. But most of the time, it's and, with CJ and the admin. Yeah, or, like, her being upset that they won't That they don't tell her it, the full or, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, and so we are we are portrayed this you know pretty cordial and very productive and pr- professional relationship between these two parties, except in this fucking fake documentary episode, right? Where they just are all fucking vultures and like are just ready to tear her apart at, at, at any excuse to like just and, and, rip into her. And she's got to be like she she makes it out like she's got to be fucking strapped up when she comes to work. Right. Because you know there could be a reporter hand like hiding behind the door that's going to ambush her. Yeah. With I, a knife. With a knife. Yeah, like, they even have an anecdote about they hand down a flak jacket from press secretary to press secretary Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, you're going to need this flak jacket to protect you from the shrapnel of the press corps. 
And we we have very, very rarely ever seen something that is just that incendiary. Yeah. Like, like m- much less with any consequences. Some, yeah, it's sometimes even... they ask her a tough question and she has to, like, furrow her brow and, like, go back and talk <laughs> with Carol or whatever. But they're never, like, as crazy aggressive to her as they are in the clips in this episode. <laughs> well... So, speaking of Carol, we do get some really funny scenes with various assistants yes. in the documentary where they basically all trip over their own tongues and mistakenly are too honest yeah. about, like, the job that's being done. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really good. And there's... There, go ahead. There's a thing with Charlie where he is also just sort of... We, we usually see Charlie as a, like... His character is wants to find consensus and is cooperative up to the point where he must protect the physical body of the president right. as the, the quote unquote body man, right. where he will draw a hard line. And in this one, he is quite condescending yeah. to the other staffers. Yeah, like he's which he's playing like super hardball with the president's schedule with like Carol and shit like that. It's a very it's a different tone of Charlie where I guess they're trying to frame it from CJ and the other, you know, press assistants' perspective of like, oh, look at what a block Charlie can be sometimes if you're looking at it from their perspective. I guess that's the most charitable yeah, but, interpretation I can come up with. Yeah, but I think that again falls flat because of the documentary format where it's like this isn't them describing their interaction with Charlie. It's literally a real camera right. capturing that interaction wherein Charlie is behaving completely incongruously with how he usually does. Yeah, where he's just being like this stone cold, like, no, no, we're not doing that. No, no. <laughs> like, this is Charlie? <laughs> yeah. So just very generally, it's just the whole, it's so far up its own ass with this stuff. And it's an oblique way to tell any sort of story, even though God love them, they try. And, no, we do and get, really, um, just nothing happens, even with like the Waco BS or whatever. Like it's just all it all happens off camera. We we get there's no stakes. We we feel no energy from it whatsoever. The only good thing I'm willing to say about this episode is that uh, Agent Ca- Agent Casper. Yes. Comes back, yeah, Clark he, Gregg. He comes. He comes back to apologize for the FBI uh, media guy fucking it up by like he went out there and gave a statement before CJ was ready, uh, which screwed her up with the press in this episode. Which is like what the documentary thinks is like. Oh my god, we captured such an important thing that happened this day. But like, did you really? <laughs> yeah, you didn't capture fucking shit. Yeah, I mean, like, like if you were on like, site where the Waco thing was happening, then you would have captured some shit. But no, you just captured CJ looking flustered, which is kind of normal for CJ. Yeah, and she does. She's able to take the liberty of again closing a door between us, right. the viewer, and what's going on. So who's to say that any reaction that we see visibly from her or any words valid. that she passes on to us yeah. are even necessarily the truth yeah it could be all extremely manufactured and put on which leads me gloriously into my next bit where they do a one-on-one with cj and they ask her like so what you know what's the real challenge of this role like you know do you do you have to lie to the press and she's like what and she goes on this like sort of philosophical rant about like well what is a lie and you know if i (laughs) if i 
if the administration doesn't tell me everything and I repeat what I know to the press, is that a lie because I don't know the whole truth? And it's basically just like this long-winded way of asking, is a lie of omission really a lie? And like, yeah, it is. It's still a lie. And I... So I just I was try, I was really struggling and trying to put this in some sort of historical context, but I just I couldn't because I was trying to be like, oh, this was filmed and written in the time where, you know, we'd had mission accomplished about eight or nine months before mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Saddam had been found like the December prior. Mm-hmm. And that was this was 2003 was when um Frankly, the United Kingdom's government, the Blair administration, led to the death or killed him directly of a reporter that questioned the like the motive mm-hmm. for the war, the the ma- weapons of mass destruction report that they acted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. upon. But it's basically like it. I don't even think the writers are even acknowledging any of that influence. They're just so far no. up their own ass that they think that no. like managing the press is a higher call. Like I said, the the real moral and theme or motif of this episode is just wow, guys, CJ's job, it's hard. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you know that being press secretary <laughs> is like really hard? It's like really hard. Uh, in fact, we will bring in fictional fake press secretaries to tell you how hard <laughs> the job is. Um, which <laughs> So I love this. I, there's this one ahead. guy who gives off big John Boehner vibes where he's like, huh, you know, sometimes I turn on the daily briefing and like I start getting PTSD flashbacks of having to do it myself. And then I just fix myself a martini and I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and we've are again, we've just we've seen that. We, we've seen that the show has access yes. to <laughs> ironically actual press secretaries like Dana Perino was a consultant on the show and DD Myers DD Myers consulted on the show why wouldn't you just bring bring them back yeah no instead they create fake fictional previous ones uh, another favorite is the super old guy who was there in like the time of like Harding or something like this and he was like oh, back in my day we just had some guys outside with some pieces of paper and the press secretary would come out and say that's it for today go home and we did <laughs> and and we and then I poured myself a martini and <laughs> just like yeah. uh the um and I, I did some very, very cursory research about, like, the history of the actual institutional press secretary. And other than the hilarity that evolved from the Donald Trump administration, <laughs> like the... Oh, the Mooch. Obvious... Yeah, the, the Mooch, who's not even listed um, on the official list here. But, like, Spicy Stop Spicing, you know, uh, Lazy Eye Sarah Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> Just so many good uh-huh. personalities. But then... The one thing, actually, that I, I hadn't realized was there was <laughs> Dwight Eisenhower's press secretary, a guy by the name of James Haggerty, almost, like, got killed when he went to <laughs> Tokyo. Wow. Doing, like, prep for a presidential visit. There was a, like, there's a protest, like, a bigger wave of protests going on in the country. And he and the ambassador got surrounded in a in a car uh-huh. like a diplomatic car uh-huh. and had to be rescued by helicopter oh my god 
from the streets of Tokyo. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. And way, way cooler than fucking, I don't know, Robert Gibbs giving a fucking presidential briefing about the Obamacare yeah. negotiations or some bullshit. Yeah, like, man, that's aw- that's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, all these people end up in fucking cushy think tank jobs. Of course. You know, after they, they, they do their turn. What, what the fuck is his name? Jay Carney. Now, who's basically oh, right. making, like, he's busy sanitizing fucking Amazon's right. and making, public image. And making go- gobs and gobs of money. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really funny. Because what's so funny is, in the real world, press they press secretary is, like, one of the positions that gets burned through so rapidly in government. It's rare for one to last longer than, like, two years. I would say. Yeah. And yet, in the fiction of the show, CJ will remain the press secretary for all eight years of the administration with zero... So... No, uh... Yeah. No, with zero... No, I guess they bring in Kristen Chenoweth in, like, season seven or something like that. Oh, when... Yes, she when becomes spoiler, chief of staff. CJ becomes the chief of staff. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but... But, but that's, which, not, that's not, like, which by that, virtue of her being replaced. In which, I'm sure that's never happened, a press secretary being promoted to chief of staff. <laughs> Well, so there, there's that guy who got stuck in the car in Tokyo, made it the entire Eisenhower administration. Wow. And then, other than him, Jimmy Carter's press secretary. That's the last um, one. Okay. Yep, a dude by the name of Jody Powell. So the 70s. Was the last one. 70s yep. until Reagan, and then Reagan, I assume, did not have the same one going. Well, I'll let you know that one of Reagan's, in fact, Reagan's first press secretary got shot by John Hinckley. <laughs> Oh, that's right. In the attempt, and so he quit. In the attempted <laughs> assassination attempt. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good reason to quit. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Take, taking a bullet for your fucking fascist for, in for chief. goddamn Ronald or, Reagan of all yeah, people. Jesus. Ugh. I'd want to quit too. Um, but yeah, I think that mostly does it for the discussion of this particular episode. Do, do we want to take a take a quick break and then do our little current events segment? Oh man, I'm so excited. We had some cool shit happen today, so let's take a break. <laughs> As life gets longer, awful feel softer, well, it feels pretty soft to me. And if it takes shit to make this, then I feel pretty blissfully. Welcome back. So we want to take a brief diversion because on this day, which is September 24th, 2021, uh, we got what I'm going to count as already presumptively one of the top five content moments of the entire pandemic, I would say. (sighs) Holy shit. So it's been 19 months since this became like a real emergent thing. Happened on a little program called The View. (laughs) So where... Like it's it's a, I I am I'm tempted to include the clipped audio in this recording because it is it's technically cued based on a sound, but I'm not gonna because you must watch the video itself, which I will link yes. in the show notes from Twitter. Yeah, you really need the reactions of everyone to to truly so, give it the context. So, 
you, uh, basically what happens is uh, VP Kamala Harris is coming on The View to talk about, I don't know, Build Back Better or some bullshit. And so the forward advance team for the VP is obviously like, okay, you guys need to test fucking everyone for COVID before we're going to let Kamala show up there. And the show, which presumably has been slacking ass on testing anyone at all, uh, decides to test, and they find out the test results live on air and <laughs> announce that two of the uh, VIEW hosts themselves are infected with COVID and must leave the set uh, in the middle of the active ongoing episode. It's it's really spectacular, and you have Joy Bihar trying to just recover some semblance of the segment. Yeah. It's just like, uh, nope, 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 this isn't going to happen. Yeah, and so, and then she's like, okay, well, they're going to be fine. They're vaccinated or whatever. So now let's bring the vice president out. And you just hear someone off screen go, no, <laughs> that is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, just you, you can't make this shit up. And like we, the United States crossed over <laughs> like 700,000 deaths from COVID doubtless. And those are just the official yeah that's just the official count of course and and we're still doing this bullshit and like you know my titers are maxed so i personally don't give a flying fuck same um because i and again that happened this week too like the fda and cdc decisions have basically been to gatekeep you know booster doses of the vaccines in much the same way that they gate kept the initial mm-hmm. distribution which again as a the public health system. guy makes me absolutely fucking insane um but it's just this, this, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say other than lol these days. Yeah. Just, yeah. Things keep happening. We, I mean, just fundamentally, people refuse to treat this virus like a virus. And, you know, our economy requires the ability of strangers to be able to gather in mass for economic activity to happen. And as soon as those two fundamental contra- contradictions just keep ramming into each other in, in crazy, crazy ways. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know much else to say about the pandemic that won't be like what y'all are hearing generally, but just like stay safe because it's not fucking over. I don't think anybody who listens to this show believes otherwise. Um, right. But and obviously, hopefully most of you recognize that no government help is coming. So it's up to you to keep you and your loved ones safe. So. And- well, I, I also, I mean, I think more importantly than anything else is that even within our limited audience, it has helped me a lot just to to hear other people say that so that I know I am not the crazy one. You exactly. are not the crazy one if no, you are you're not. concerned about your kids, especially, or yourself, your loved ones, your family right. getting COVID right. because it will fuck you if up. You, yeah, if you are correctly treating this novel virus that we still know very little about, uh, as the threat it is meant to be treated as, yes, you're the sane one. Don't worry, you live in insane society right now. Uh, so don't feel bad that most people are not sane like you. Um, we've created a death cult culture here, and it sure is popping off right now. Yeah, and the only other like big current events in the year is that China ruled that all crypto cryptocurrency transactions yes. are illegal today. Fucking banned! <laughs> just hoot and hollering all morning today. It's yeah. just been... Just a bang-up morning. <laughs> it's been a great day for, for news and for content, really. Um, and living in a golden age of content is the one solace we have from the interesting times we live in. So, you know, might as well enjoy it while we have it. 
Well, and on that note, we appreciate that you dedicate any of your limited attention span to the content that we are currently producing. So uh, thank you uh, for listening. Thank you. And um, yeah, we will catch you guys up probably next week. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, or concerns, please drop us a line in either of our threads on Bread and Roses or on Something Awful. If you came by this show by some other mechanism, first of all, good for you. Welcome. And Hello. if you'd like to reach out and contact us, you can email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Which is always nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And so we will see you another time for another episode of The Worst Wing. Bye-bye, y'all. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye. the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along.